Hey, Deliberate Leaders, I am your host, Allison Dunn, Executive Coach and Founder of the Deliberate Leaders Podcast, where we are dedicated to helping leaders build strong, thriving businesses. Each episode, we feature inspiring interviews to help you on your leadership journey. And today, I have a fantastic guest in the house with us today. Her name is Spencer Snakert. She is an Executive Transformation Coach, Speaker, and Trainer. She works with visionary entrepreneurs and transformational leaders who are on a mission to make a major impact, helping them to break their barriers to their next level of success while loving every step of the way and without giving up what matters most. So kindred spirit, Spencer, thank you so much for joining us here today on Deliberate Leaders. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So I like to kick these off with a, um, a very deliberate conversation and um, I'm just curious, would you, um, would you be willing to share your like go-to leadership tip with our leaders, um, our listeners today? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that really is the foundation for everything else is living in alignment, living in alignment, knowing who you are, what you're here for, what matters most to you, and making sure that how you run your business, how you live your life, every aspect of it is completely lined up with that. The goals you set, the visions you have for yourself, the targets you're aiming after, everything lined up with that. Um, I absolutely love that tip. And I'd say um, congruency and alignment are like consistent words that, um, yes. um, and in our deliberate leaders program, um, alignment is um, the A in compass, which is our acronym that we use. Um, I think alignment um, today in today's times is becoming more challenging to actually um, make quick adjustments so that we're in it. So what are some of the things that um, you are recognizing and helping your clients through to help them make sure that they're realigned or in my terminology, recalibrated um, so that they you know, are focused in their purpose? Yes. Well, so much of it, I think, is even just starting to have people look into what do they, when we set out for things that we think we want to really start to connect into, is that really what I want? Or is that something I think I'm supposed to do because it's the next step of the ladder or it's the next step in the journey, or it's going to really impress my parents who are going to finally think that I'm super successful and be extra happy about me or, um, you know, to impress the neighbors or whatever it may be. It's not always necessarily so things that may seem so kind of, um, blatantly out to appease other people, but really who we are as human beings is um, it, it's important for us to belong, to be accepted, to feel like we, we have a, a place in this world. And so many of our motives are often driven by that. Um, and so when we really start to tune into, um, I'll probably say this quite a few times because it's one of my key things I keep bringing people back to is really tuning into who you really are. Um, and for me, I really believe that's on a, a soul or a spiritual level. I think there's a distinction between um, who we are and what drives that true purpose, that true calling that we have. Um, and then there can be a distinction between that and how we show up in the world, because a lot of times how we show up in the world is more of that human way of coping with the need to survive and potential threats or risks or things that could um, stand in our way. And so we find ways to cope and do that, but they're not always in sync with each other. And so one of the first things is really to be checking in with, well, who, who am I really, or who do I aspire to be? Who do I want to be in the world? Um, and when I look at those things that I want, are those really in alignment with that? Is it really what I want? Or is it trying to fit, check some box off by the, the identity or who I think I'm supposed to be or how I think I'm supposed to look? 
Right. Um, I, I'm sure you use assessment type tools when you're working with clients. And so one of our um, tools that we use is a disc assessment. Are you familiar with that at all? Like a personality uh, profiling. And so uh, yes, like yes. natural versus adaptive and um, how um, we, we modify our, not our authentic selves, but in some cases we really do um, based on who we're working with and the type of environment that we're in. Yes. Um, so um, what are some of the telltale signs that someone could self-diagnose whether or not they may be out of alignment and need a, a chiropractor <laughs> or you know, um, someone to help them kind of realign into their authentic purpose. Yes. Um, you know, I think it's so fascinating. I think there are so many signs that really show up in our lives all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and we may not make the connection of, oh, this means I'm out of alignment or, oh, this means I'm headed down a path that's not really in sync with who I am or what I'm here for isn't really what I want to be doing. But I mean, it could be everything from health issues. A number of times people mm-hmm. have health issues. I had one client who was in the IC prior to working with me. Part of why she came to me was because she had a seven figure full service ad agency and was literally running herself into the ground and ended up um, in the ICU for weeks and ended up selling the business and said, I, I still want to do amazing things in the world. I still want to have a very successful business, but I know I can't do it that way anymore. And that's um, the, really the whole reason that she started working with me. And, and we've been making huge strides in that um, with growing her new business. But so health issues, to answer your question, are part of it. Um, certainly relationship issues can come up. Things where you just feel, um, you just feel disconnected or you feel like, you know, we, we have those whisperings and we don't always listen to them. But if we tune in and we listen, there's almost always those little whisperings or those inklings that are saying things like, this isn't it, this, there's more to this, or, or I'm meant for more than this, or this isn't really where I want to be or what I want to be doing. And so when you really start to listen in, um, when you can take a moment to even just step back, I was a yoga instructor for over 15 years. And, and part of what called me to yoga was that sort of that ability to, to be uh, focused in a still way, if that makes sense. I didn't, I never did well with meditating. So I wasn't really one to be able to just sit and um, to be able to meditate. Yes. But I knew I needed something to keep my brain from going into 80 million different things per second, um, that we're going, if I need to do this and don't forget about that. And I got to get on that Ah, and all the stuff that we do, those of us, especially who are leaders and have a lot on our plate and we're headed out for amazing things in the world and people are counting on us. Um, and so anyway, for me, yoga was a way to, to get focused. You can't be in a revolved inverted triangle and be thinking, Oh, I got to remember to get milk when I go to the store after this. <laughs> so when you give yourself those um, moments to be able to whatever your form may be, and I'm not saying people have to do yoga, but whatever your form is to be able to sort of unplug from all the chatter and the busyness and listen in a lot of times it'll let us know. Um, I would say that I recognize that as one of the significant phenomenon. So like if we're not trying to figure out how to do it virtually and not inside of the office while homeschooling, while trying, trying to stay up on what's happening in our community and the news and new regulations, that just finding a place to be quiet enough to even just allow ourselves to tell us what we need um, yes. is... I. You'd think it would be less of a challenge, and yet I think it's a heightened, uh, much more heightened challenge than ever. 
Yes. I think unless you, unless you make something like that on your list of goals. Things to do. That's right. Exactly. I have so many clients say to me, but Spencer, I need to keep doing things. I'm, I'm, I've measured by how much I accomplish. Like, yeah, that's the first thing we got to start breaking down. Very, very You can still accomplish awesome things, but let's not have that decide how worthy or valuable or or good you are in the world. That's funny. Um, you um, use some terminology called the perfection principle and yes. curious, how can it help, how can it help us fulfill our mission? So explain what it is yes. and um, how can it help us? Yes. So the perfection principle is a principle or a foundational belief that I've, I've been developing recently. And I'm really coming to feel like this is, <laughs> I feel in many ways, like for me, anyhow, this is kind of the answer to all of, all of the woes in the world um, that I, as I mentioned before, I believe we are spiritual beings. I, I love that um, expression from a French philosopher that says, we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And um, I really believe at our, at our heart, at our center, we really are spiritual beings. And um, with that, and, and this for me is not, I just want to preface this by saying this is not all about religion or doctrine or, you know, what you're supposed to do to be a good and right worthy person, but just that I think the essence of us is beyond this physical body that we're housed in. And um, when you, when you think of the sort of God, universe, spirit, source, creator, whatever it is, um, that lives within us. I really am a big believer that that lives within us. We are an extension and an expression of that. And with that, I feel like God doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> there's, there's, I think there's so many of us who think, you know, there's something wrong with me, or I need to fix this thing about myself, or if only I didn't, or if only I would. Um, and it's like, we have this constant um, push and strive to, to be more better different to change something about who we are, how we are. Um, I've had some of the most amazing human beings that I've ever known say to me in moments of despair, oh, I feel so broken. And, and so the perfection principle is the idea that really there is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with you. There is nothing missing. You are perfect and whole, magnificent divine being exactly as you are for all that you are and for all that you're not. And that's something that a lot of us, I think, really tend to push back on sometimes and like, no, but I need, sure. to, I need to be this, or I need to have that, or I need to get to this place and then everything will be great. Um, but when you really embrace yourself for being perfect, whole and complete, exactly as you are and exactly as you're not, all the other stuff literally just fizzles away. There's, there's no need for fear, for doubt, for comparison, for, um, you know, that sense of not being enough, all of that goes away when we really ground into this, this idea, this principle. So, um, you know, I get that it's not for everybody. Some people might be saying, oh, I didn't sign up for the spiritual stuff on this episode. But for me, I feel like we can't pretend that we're not. And I think that's, honestly, I think that's a big piece of what's missing in the business world is that we come at business from a very intellectual, um, right brain perspective of, okay, I need to figure this thing out, or I need to learn this thing to do, I need to do this thing better. Um, And it completely loses the essence of who we really are. And there's a reason why we're called human beings and not human doings. Right, right, which I love that saying. If, um, if someone was interested in trying to identify how to tap into that inner um, spiritual, like, you know, the, the, um, the purpose side of things and really connect with where our energy flows and what we're thinking about, um, and let's say they're not highly religious, so like trying to, yes. to be similar, um, what are your go-to activities? How do you help people access that 
um, that intuition. Yeah. There's, there's a number of exercises that I take clients through. Um, one of the ones, so this isn't the end all be all, but one of the ones that I really like, and I still play with myself on a regular basis is um, doing a kind of a standing in the future exercise. Like imagine that it's five years from now, 10 years from now, however far in the distance you want to go, and that everything is exactly as you want it to be, that life is amazing and fulfilling, you're happy, you're joyful, you're at peace, you're, you're in the dream relationship you want, you're making the impact in the world that you want, you're making as much money and more that you want, everything is exactly as you want it to be. Um, to, to do some, I, I tend to do it as journaling, but people could do it as some sort of meditating or, or just sort of feeling into it, um, but imagining how life is in in that state and really approaching it from the present tense, even though we're imagining the future, that it's almost like you're doing a journal entry or writing a letter to a friend telling someone about how incredible everything is um, and really to get into the details of it. And it's not um, necessarily about like, it's funny, I, I, I joke about how I called my husband into my life this way and I, I joke about it, but I really do believe it. <laughs> It actually, I mean, this, this is a relationship example, but the tool totally works from a business perspective as well, yeah. that um, I was on a bit of a rant about my ex in my journal. And I thought, okay, Spencer, you know better than this. You don't need to spend another second on what you don't want. What do you want? <laughs> and I wrote out this whole long, like, you know, three page typed thing. And within a month, there he was. So, um, but it's really that kind of getting into that feeling of things as well. Like, how do you want life to be then? And how does it, um, what's the experience of it for you. Um, again, if you were to tell someone about it, like being type where it's like, oh, it's, um, I, I feel so free. I'm having the best time of my life and um, all of that. And, and then to really notice too, you know, here's a big thing to notice if, if things aren't quite in sync with where you are now to notice, okay, is what, who I'm being and what I'm doing now, is it in line with that? And is it, is it anywhere even on the path to lead to that? Um, because sometimes we can also look, you know, I realized when I was still in my corporate career for nearly 20 years um, and thinking that I wanted to move on to start my own business and to do things that I felt were really much more in line with my purpose and my calling. And I had this realization that I was like, wow, I'm spending the most amount of time on the things that really I feel matter least. Now, obviously yes. I was getting a paycheck in healthcare and that was all good, but, <laughs> but it was not the work that I felt I was called to be doing in the world. And I, I sometimes also will kind of think, um, my mom has been through two rounds of cancer and occasionally I'll have the thought of if I knew I only had, fortunately, she's still with us. She made it through. But I, I've had moments where I've thought if I knew I only had six months to live or a year to live, how would I spend it? And is what I'm doing now anything among the things that I would be doing? And if it's not, I need to figure out how to, how to shift that, how to get those things in line. Right. Um, I think that's, that is an absolute beautiful exercise. Um, one additional successful way, which I'm sure you've also used with your clients is if you can't write it out, then, you know, put it in a vision board or a dream chart. Or yes. Anything. So I'm highly visual for me. Yes. It would be incredibly painful <laughs> my style, but I can see like just in detail to, a, to almost picture perfect in words. Um, yes on um, an actual visual board. Yeah, then visuals are a great tool to use. And that's, I love that you brought that up as an alternative. People don't like the writing process. Yes. And even if you do like the writing process, it's still great to have a visual. I encourage my clients to do that too, to do screensavers and do pictures on their wall, like right next to their computer. I even have uh, notes. I, I use little sticky notes that I'll write like with a big fat permanent marker, little sayings or things there that I'll feel like, okay, at any point in the day, I can just kind of ground into this. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Um, one of one of the other things that I know that um, you kind of do some focus on is helping people overcome barriers and creating breakthroughs. And so I guess my question is, is um, uh, what is um, what is the most common barriers that uh, keep us from being able to have breakthroughs? The most common barriers that keep us from having breakthroughs, uh, I would say, okay, well, the short answer is fear, but that doesn't help people that much to say, well, how do I get past that? So, right. <laughs> so the short answer, I think, is fear. And, and really with that fear, again, it's kind of that conflict between who we are as these limitless, perfect, divine, spiritual beings housed in this physical body that, that we have a legit need to survive in and we could be harmed. And, um, and so I think you know, ultimately, I think that's what the fear comes down to. I mean, I, I, I sometimes will say, you know, it's not like we're being chased by saber-toothed tigers anymore, but we still have that wiring in us. We still have our caveman instincts of needing to survive, needing to take care of ourselves, needing to belong, to be accepted, to be successful. And, um, you know, the biggest way I think that we've adapted that in modern day life is through the development of our identity, of who we think we are, of who we think we have to be, really, because we find Mind, it, it seems to work a time or two. And then we start collecting evidence and going, oh my gosh, see, it really does work. And before you know it, we get stuck in this state where it's like, you have to be that. Like if I'm the super achiever, if I was the, the superstar student in school and got praise from teachers and parents and even friends maybe said, wow, you're so smart. How do you do that? If that's something that then becomes who I am or who I think I am, who am I if I'm not that? It's like there's no opportunity to fail. There's no room to be able to, to take any real major risks or to um, potentially fall flat on my face, especially if other people are going to see it and be aware of it. So, um, so it really can, can get us stuck in these sort of uh, one-dimensional ways of being and ways of doing things. Um, and so that's one of the biggest things I do with people is help really getting into opening those pathways up to be able to remove those barriers to start to, to discover, well, who are you really? And, and, and okay, what's it going to take to step into that, to, to take that courageous move or step into that scary space? Um, and that's, I think, the benefit of working with, with a coach always is to have someone there with you to kind of be your guide and to make sure there's a safety net there if you, if you go falling off the cliff. <laughs> People are probably like, oh my God, there's a cliff involved. <laughs> Sometimes there is. Yes. 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 <laughs> well, many of the people I work with say to me, I feel like I'm, the, I'm on the edge of something really big that they'll say, like, I'm like, I feel like I'm on the edge of the cliff and I can see the other side, but it's so scary to step off the cliff and trust that a bridge is going to be there that I'm going to safely make it over the other way. So, right, right. Um, as far as um, breakthroughs, do you think that um, do you think that as humans that we naturally are inclined to not look for breakthroughs, or do you think it's a yearning desire? I'm just curious if. Um, I think it's a yearning desire, really. I think I think in, inherent within us is this desire to expand, and and I feel like we see that really. I see feel like we see it everywhere in nature around us. I mean, all of life is constantly growing and and expanding, um, but even spiritually, you know, I feel like that's very much what we're here for. I am a big believer that we come here to to learn whatever spiritual lessons we've chosen to learn before coming into this life, and so I do think we have this sort of inherent yearning to move on to the next thing. It's just then we'll some 
sometimes be confronted by the fear or the risks or the what ifs. Um, and that's where we sometimes may un unknowingly and unintentionally get in our own way. I, I've certainly seen many places in my own life where I've done that and certainly many places in my clients' lives where they do that. And so that's really a big part of breaking through that fear as well as recognizing where we're really setting ourselves up to not be able to get through to the other side or to make it hard to get through to the other side. Mm -hmm. You, um, you touched on identity and identity, you know, like I realized that topic is just so gigantic. Um, so how can some of the aspects um, of our identity that make us feel successful also be the things that um, limit us, hold us back and prevent us from moving forward? Yeah, they, you know, it has to do with kind of that one dimensionality that I mentioned that when we get stuck in this idea of who we think we are or who we think we have to be, um, it doesn't provide a lot of space for anything else. And I, I use the reference sometimes of that it can be like your identity has you by the, the jugular, you know, sinking your yep. teeth or, or at least or at least with the teeth on the neck with the threat of being sunk into the neck, um, that it really sometimes can feel like our identity almost has us hostage or is, you know, right on the edge of like, Mm, don't make another move kind of thing. But, um, you know, when we can, again, when we can start to recognize and start to recognize um, where and how it's limiting us. I mean, just, just as an example, um, you know, you can think of, for instance, politicians, here we are coming up on an election. And right. so politics is on, I also live in Washington. An appropriate topic-ish. Yes, ish. <laughs> so I'm certainly not going to get into politics and which side is right or wrong or that I agree with or anything. But I'll, let's just say as far as identities go, um, politicians can be very charming. They, they can be very, um, uh, what is the word I want to use? They connect with people very easily. They can be um, sort of charismatic in those ways that, that they can build a following and people are like, yes, you're the one and you're the one who's going to take care of us or that I want in my, in my corner. Um, but being charismatic and connecting with people and being visionary doesn't necessarily mean you have the skills to then implement to carry right. those actions forward. And um, there are many times that we'll see that that'll happen. That, and, you know, some cynical folk may say, not that I'm ever cynical myself, but some <laughs> of us who may be a little more cynical might say, well, they were just lying along the campaign trail and saying what they, you know, what we wanted to hear. But I really think a lot of times these people mean it, they believe it, but it's a lacking skill to then um, be a different way to now be able to implement. Because to implement, you, there's more management involved. There's you're going to have to maybe tell people you're not so happy with how things are going or have to be stronger, firmer about what needs to be different. And this is very much the case in leadership that we see, mm -hmm. that leaders can have, I've, I've seen very much both extremes where some leaders um, have done very well with the implementation side of things, or I should say in the workplace, they did well with implementation. They got promoted to a leadership position, but then they didn't really have the leadership skills to connect with the people and to be visionary and to let go of the hands-on nitty gritty day-to-day stuff and trust other people to do it. Um, and then the reverse, people that have been very visionary, but then don't quite um, know how to get the things lined up to get it carried out beyond right. that. So that's just one example, but there's so many ways that whatever those aspects of our identity may be, they're very limiting. You have to be that. You can't be anything else. And that's, of course, not to say that you truly can't be, but when we're blind right. to it, when we're unaware of the hold that it has on us, we get blindly locked into this one-dimensional way of being. Um, I, I think your utilization of a, the political, you know, the, the charismatic leader who then makes all of these promises, but then doesn't surround themselves with the right team to actually do the implementation, the logistics, the execution is a very relevant story 
for businesses today, certainly. Um, um, given where we're at, so we're in August, um, this episode will roll in September, um, there is um, more and more people who are kind of disclosing on LinkedIn that they're, they're at a pivot point. They, um, they either are no longer with the organization that we went into uh, COVID-19 with, and so they're being forced to reinvent themselves. Um, what advice, um, guidance would you give to those folks about the world of possibilities that are in front of them and keeping that, like drawing them towards what's the right thing to do? Yes. I'm such a believer in everything is an opportunity. And I know that's hard to see sometimes in the thick of it, especially if you've, if you've lost your job, if, especially if you didn't have a package on the way out with losing your job. So I, I, my heart just breaks for so many people that have lost so much over the last few months. And I know many businesses have gone under. Um, I, I just always choose to look at things as an opportunity and think, okay, that's because something better is, is out there waiting for you. There's a next great thing that's ahead of you. Um, I, I often feel like it's cause for, you know, breaking out celebration. If, yep. whether, it, whether it be someone leaving, losing a job or whether it be someone losing a partner yep. in life, if it's a divorce or something, I, I sometimes have to hold myself back to not offend people when someone says they're getting divorced. I want to say, congratulations. <laughs> so exciting for you. Yes, okay. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a new, you know, it's kind yeah. of, okay, so this, I guess part of it for me is I always look at it like, okay, how can you make the most of what you have? It's not necessarily to say what you have is, is like awesome and what you necessarily thought you wanted, but given that you have it, it's perfect exactly as it is. And so how, how do we use this now and move forward? And with that, I think so much of your approach is, is going to determine the outcome, how you approach it. If you approach it as, oh my gosh, this stinks. This is terrible. I can't believe this happened. You know, this is, why me, all of this, you're going to get a very different result than you, if you approach it from what an awesome opportunity, obviously this is a calling for my next great thing. And now let me go figure out what that is. And so to answer, your original question then that led into that of how, you know, how do people do that? I think a lot of that comes back to what we started with speaking about alignment, taking this time, this opportunity to really tune into what am I really here for? What am I on this earth for? What do I want to do with my life? What's the legacy that I want to leave behind or the mark that I want to make? And, and how can I most effectively do that? Or where can I apply my gifts and my talents to most effectively do that? And whether that means a shift, perhaps, as you said, you've used the word pivot. I know that's been a big word of the last few months, whether that means pivoting into a whole new form or way of working, or whether it just means, um, you know, pivoting even on what your what boundaries you're setting as far as what really matters for you. Like for instance, if someone was with a company that was okay, but wasn't an awesome company that they really believe in and stand behind, then maybe it means, okay, let's find a company that's more aligned with who I am and what matters to me in the world and is going to create those opportunities for me. Yeah. I think that's um, excellent advice and um, just really encourage anyone who's listening, who is at this moment in time, like, it is happening for you um, and not to you. And yes. there are beautiful things ahead for sure. Yes. I want to wrap up this interview with um, kind of going on the more personal side. So um, in your uh, bio, it says that you've been married to the love of your life for six years. And that combined you have a blended family of uh, five kiddos ranging from 13 to 25. Um, I am also from a family of five. So I was raised in a family of five. 
and I'm just curious, um, what have, what can you share in raising five kids that is translated to business? Is, do you have any similarities that you <laughs> a lot of? That is so great. No one's ever asked that, but it's brilliant. And yes, I immediately have things I can relate to it. <laughs> So I will start by saying I, my, the three oldest are my bonus children that I had the wonderful gift of receiving when I married my now husband of six years. They were already uh, 13, 15, and 16, I think, when I first met him when we started dating. Um, so their, their mother and father both did a magnificent job with them. Um, it's been so interesting, though. The first thing that came to mind when you asked that is the different personalities, the totally different personalities, all five of them. I mean, there's certainly some similarities and some overlap, but there's also a lot of distinctions and different things that motivate them, um, different things that appeal to them, different ways even of relating to them. You know, some, some are much more uh, sort of intellectual fact-driven and others are more touchy-feely, you know, emotionally. I want, a, I want a hug and to know that I'm loved and cared about, not in the workplace, obviously, but... <laughs> but they want to be know that they're loved and cared about. Yes, they do want to know they're loved and cared about. Yes, absolutely. And so... Um, um, so yeah, so the different personalities definitely, definitely carry over and, and also seeing the different gifts and talents and skills of each of them and, and also the different weaknesses, they're, they're, the things that aren't their stronger suits to, to recognize that and to, um, you know, really work with that, to work with it in ways of, okay, there, this one may not be as strong in this area, but I know this one really excels in this area. So how can we support them in that? So um, even thinking of, of helping them plan for future paths, because they're all teenagers or young adults now. Yeah. And so looking at the you know, where are you headed in life? What, what do you want to be doing? What's the mark you want to be making in the world? And what kind of work do you want to be doing? And how can we help you now to prepare you for that? Um, just like in business with anyone who comes into our, our ranks, so to speak, to see how to really help develop them and work with their gifts, their talents, their weaknesses as well, and set them up for success. Yeah. And you hit on so many of the points that I was um, hoping to elicit in the conversation. I'd say the way that it, you know, the reflections that I've had, and I don't get to often like have this conversation with people who have um, lots of kiddos. Um, building a business is really easy, but no one entrepreneur is the same. And so the journey is different. You know, everything doesn't look the same. So, you know, to create something that's unique to you and that feels authentic um, on, you know, your legacy or whatever you're trying to create. So I love that. Yes. My second question is, um, I also, so you mentioned that um, you love spending summer, summers together in the rocky coasts of Maine, and that is where I spent my summers. Oh, interesting. Yes. So whereabouts um, in Maine do you spend, do you spend time? We, well, we, it used to always be York area, York Beach. Me too. You, I wonder if we ever crossed paths. That's so crazy. So. But it's funny. My family has a long history there. My mom's family was from um, Worcester, Worcester, Mass. Yes, yes, I think they're from mm -hmm. Worcester, Mass. And so I, my husband and I got married in York, in York Harbor, oh, which was a long time dream of mine. We have wedding pictures at Noble yeah. Light on the rocks oh. there, which it's funny. I didn't think of it as we planned it, but as we were there and there were some kids watching us and a little girl watching and kind of ooing and aahing over us, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I remember being a little girl on the rock, seeing a wedding couple getting pictures taken. But um, right before we got married, I found a picture from my great grandparents in 1916, standing at short sands. Mm -hmm. and, and it was just, it was so cool. So we've, we have a long family history in Maine. My parents ended up buying a cottage further north, north of um, 
north of Brunswick. So that's yes. where we tend to go the last few years. But my husband and I are still talking about getting a place of our own in, in York somewhere to be able to, to go eventually once we've got grandbabies to be able to enjoy it too. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that is our dream as well when we have grandbabies to be able to bring them back. And um, our family is from the Short Sands area. So we, I'm sure, have crossed paths. If 